Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and y'all know how we do it. I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And tonight's poem is entitled Complacency. Actually, I'm going to read two poems today. So the first one is called Complacency and the second one is called Have Your Way. So here we go. I settled once again. Complacency has set in. Taking what was thrown my way, feeling unfulfilled another day. The least is what I've accepted, embracing my enemy of rejection. It doesn't have to stay this way. I too deserve to dream real big. My destiny is calling me, but I cannot answer without faith. I ask myself, why the hesitation? Believing that more belongs to another person? Am I destined to be a writer, a poet, or an author, or will I continue to settle for less? I need to stop doubting myself. No, I don't want to be here. I can be all that I want to be, but first, I must believe. The fact that I am a creative being, I can be and I will be as I rise above complacency. And my second point, is entitled, Have Your Way. Holy Spirit, take control of my entire being. Speak through me as I bear your fruit until God gets all the glory. Help me to die to my flesh as you take complete control. Guide me, use me, and fill me up until I'm completely whole. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I trust you to lead the way. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God's standard is always raised. As you guide me down a righteous path, detours will occur, but I trust that you will lead me back to the straight, and narrow path. Now, if the skies are blue or gray, my one request is, Lord, have your way. So happy Easter, everyone. Today is April the 4th, 2021, and it is Easter Sunday. I hope that you all had a marvelous Sunday I hope that you were surrounded by the people that you love. I hope that you did a lot of things that involve laughter and just having a good time and just loving on the people that mean the most to you. I truly hope that you enjoyed your Easter Sunday. And today, what I wanted to talk about, um, because I do realize that any time that we are in, I guess you could say, the dating scene. Um, 
a lot of times we may not talk about this, but I feel like it should be discussed at least once, probably more than once, but you know, at least once when you're trying to get to know someone um, and you're trying to see where, where this is leading. And so I wanted to ask the question, actually a few questions, but one being whenever you're, let's say you start to get really serious in your relationship and you're like, wait a minute, you know, we've been on a few, we've been on a few dates and we've really enjoyed each other's company. And we talk about the surface stuff a lot. Um, what's my favorite food? What's my favorite color? Um, we have those type of conversations. I know his favorite food. I know his favorite color. I know his favorite movie. I'm so familiar with his favorite team. But what I don't know is what his money habits are. Or does he even have any? Does he have any money habits? Does she have any money habits? What is his or her relationship with money? And why haven't I asked that question? Because if I am contemplating being with this person a lot longer than just the courting phase, then I do need to gain a better understanding of how they view money. And while I'm at it, I need to take a deep look within to see how I view money. What are my money habits? So just to kind of help in that arena, if that is something that you've never truly done, something that when you do start to date again, that you want to kind of have in the back of your mind in terms of list of questions that you may want to ask someday, um, I wanted to list a few of those, I mean, a few of the questions or things that you can ponder on. Um, so one of them being or suggestions in terms of how to create great money habits. One of the first being to pay yourself first. Now, I know that the religious scholars are going to say to pay God first. Um, and so depending on what side of the spectrum you fall, you can replace yourself with God. Um, as according to scripture, it does say that we are made in his image. Um, and so if you're one of those people that are like, well, I don't believe in God anyway, well, then pay yourself first. If you're one of those that believe in God, then pay God first. But if you're going to pay God first, then once you pay God first, make sure you're the second in line if that's how you operate. Um, but make sure you're up there in the top three because it's important for you to pay yourself first. Um, you can be, a, it could, you know, it's however you see it. You do what you do, you boo. And so just remember that you are a valuable asset. And with you being a valuable asset, your happiness as well as your financial independence, it's important. And the next is, are you the type of person that loves to instant gratify, instantly gratify? Are you like an instant gratification shopper? Impulsive, you don't really plan, you look up and it's like, oh, sale. And so you go for what you know, or are you the type of person that has to literally plan 
when you're going to make a major purchase and if are you strategic when you're making that plan is it a strategy do you, are you like okay so what i'm going to do i see that this item is something that is necessary for the home um, we need a new washer and dryer or we need a new stove or we need a new refrigerator but you don't want to impulsive buy you actually want to take the time out to budget for that purchase if you're an impulsive shopper then that's something that you may want to look into of how to re-navigate that process. Uh, because anytime that you are trying to restructure your habit with money, impulsive shopping kind of has to take a back seat. And if you are a person that's going to go ahead and just shop at the drop of a dime, you might want to set yourself up a mini budget. So let's say... You know, if, if your income is $5,000 in a month and you know that you just can't go within a week without buying you a new pair of shoes or a new dress or new pants or whatever, a new blouse. If you know that you're that type of person, then after you've paid yourself, insert however you want, after you pay God and yourself. Once you do that, and then you kind of set aside your how much your bills are going to be. So it's always good, in my opinion, to kind of have an Excel spreadsheet. Because Excel spreadsheets, you're able to literally insert, this is how much my, my monthly income is. This is how much my bills are. And you're able to see if the amount that you're bringing in exceeds the amount of your bills or if the amount of your bills exceeds the amount of what you're bringing in and when you are trying to become consciously aware financially of what is taking place under your roof in your household in your bank account then it's a good place to start some people may do the word a word document but i really do like excel and so with the Excel, you can actually list, okay, I have rent due, that's due at the first of the month. Okay, I have my electricity bill, that's due at the 15th of the month. And then you just kind of keep going down, um, all the way down to miscellaneous. Miscellaneous being like deodorant, shampoo, those types of things. Um, bubble gum, that type of stuff. That's miscellaneous. However, once you see, then you kind of can strategize and figure out, okay, so I have all my bills. And, but I noticed that I do impulse shop. So what I need to do is create a separate budget and it would be outside of the miscellaneous. So let's say that the miscellaneous, you gave yourself a $75 budget. Well, then if you know that you're an, an impulsive shopper, then you may give yourself a $200 to $500 budget. And when you do that, it does not mean that you have to spend that every single month. In fact, when you don't spend that amount, then what I would do if I were you, I would take that amount that I had initially given my per, myself permission to spend. Let's say you didn't max out on that. Then I would take that and I would put that into my savings account. Now, if you know that you're the type of person that pulls from your savings account, then you may want to open up a totally different account that you cannot touch until a certain amount of time and then that'll hold you accountable but it's also teaching you on how to hold on to your savings and not and kind of getting you out of that habit of impulse shopping um and anytime that you're talking about trying to build a future with someone that's that's really something that your significant other 
your purpose partner should be aware of. If you are an impulse shopper, if you're the type of person, they call them spendthrifts. If you're the type of person that no, as soon as you get money, it's gone two days later, then nine times out of 10, when it comes to the responsibilities of the household, you may need to have that conversation with your purpose partner that I believe that it'll be best for both of us if I give a certain amount to you each month, this is once y'all, you know, y'all are pretty much about to walk down the aisle or you're already walking, you know, you've already walked down the aisle and just be like, there's a certain amount that I need to contribute to you because I trust out of the two of us, this is your strong point. You manage finance as well. You can pay the bills. Um, and then that way, I'll just give myself an allowance. And I know that sounds crazy, but some households do have to function that way. Um, and then also you may want to consider this is getting further down the line. Also, um, once you enter into an actual union, if you have the type of family members, because once the two incomes are combined, of course, that's more income in the household. So what you may want to consider is an emergency fund and the emergency fund. That is something that you and your spouse would come into agreement about and you would make a decision of. There's, we know that people are going to be tugging and pulling from us. We know that they're going to want every once in a while they may fall on hard times. And if it never happens, great. You may look up a year from now and have $10,000 saved, you know, because y'all contributed to the emergency fund and nobody needed your help that year. However, um, by having the emergency fund, it serves in terms of helping your family. So that way you're not taking from you two in the sense of, you both have to come into agreement anytime that you're helping out the family. You both would need to come into agreement, sign for it, all that good stuff. No foraging allowed, uh, but you would have to do that in order for you to both be aware that, okay, so this family member asked $500 to help pay the rest of their rent. Now, you would most likely want to put that on a payment plan with that family member. Um, and whenever they're paying you back, you can put that money back into the emergency fund. But let's say at the end of the year, once the end of the year has been met, and let's say you have saved up $10,000, well, then you decide if y'all want to do something together as a family, if you want to build on another vision that you have, um, if you want to just add on to that for the following year, if you want to just keep you know raising it up, you make that conscious decision, but it keeps both of you honest. At least it should. That's the intent behind it. And so it'll keep you honest. Your money is still your money because maybe he has a separate account over here where he pays the bills from that. You have a separate account over here where you pay your bills from that. But then you have the emergency fund and that's to help the family members. That's to help the children, the siblings, the aunts, all of that. And then you're neither one of you are feeling as if because you got to sign for it together, neither one of you are feeling as if the other one is betraying the other one. So it's supposed to hopefully solidify the relationship um, and for y'all to kind of like learn how to come together in agreement. It's supposed to build that teamwork. Okay, so I digress. The next one, um, do you currently have any financial goals? Like, do you have any goals in terms of okay, I know that I want to purchase a house. So in order for me to purchase a house, this is what I need to save up um, in order for me to have that ready for my down payment. Or this is what I need to save up on top of my down payment, just in case once my credit is ran, they tell me, well, this needs to be removed. This needs to be removed. Do you have the lump sum in order to take care of that? 
So those are things to factor in. But do you even have that? Have you even started that? Or is it simply right now, whenever you're getting paid, as soon as you get your paycheck, two days later, you don't have anything to show for your paycheck. All of your money is gone. And now you're robbing Peter to pay Paul to try to figure out. You're making phone calls, taking out loans that you know you'll never be able to pay back. Um, in order for you to carry, in order to carry you through the next couple of weeks until you get paid again, if you're that type of person, then it is time to reevaluate your relationship with money. And then, have you ever tried using the thirty-day rule? So, how the thirty-day rule works is that what you do, let's say you see something that you just gotta have, I gotta have it, like a desk. And you're like, I gotta have that desk. It has everything I need. It has all the drawers I want. It has all the space I need. My computer can sit on there and then I can put this there. And oh my God, oh my God. So if you know that that's something that you genuinely need in your life, then try the 30 day rule. Because within that 30 days, you're able to price the desk. You're able to see if there's any sales that take place. You're also able to see if the desire of having the desk subsides over time. And then if it's still burning within you on day 31, that's when you would make the purchase. And so that helps you to be financially aware. And it's literally because you can assign your money to different directions. But this right here is is showing that you have a healthy relationship with money because you're not being a spendthrift, because you're not just tossing it to the wind. You're not being an impulsive shopper. Um, you are literally consciously aware of your finances. And this should help, especially when you're entering into a relationship. Um, and then and let's just say that this is your strong point, but this is your purpose partner's weakness. Then you're able to sit down and collaborate and help your purpose partner kind of get on the same page with you so that you both can have a healthy relationship with money. And if you have, if you're guilty of, being a person who has created bad debt, then try to come up with a strategy, a plan to rectify this prior to entering into wedlock, if at all possible, because it is even healthier if you two can figure out a way. Let's say that you have $60,000 in debt. Let's say your purpose partner has $20,000 in debt. Now, of course, agreed, it's going to take, it may take, and I'm not going to say it is because, you know, miracles happen every day, but it could take longer for you to pay your debt off as opposed to paying their debt off. Uh, I mean, for them to pay, it'll be easier for them to pay their debt off, and it may take longer for you to pay your debt off. So if their debt can be paid off faster, but the desire is for y'all to not have as much debt. Maybe y'all kind of do a little friendly competition and maybe you kind of create a goal for each other where you're like, you know what? I see you have $20,000 in debt. I see I have $60,000 in debt, but why don't we try for about maybe it might take us two years, but why don't we try to get this debt paid off before we start making or selecting our, our wedding day? Why don't we in, just let that be like a cute little competition between the two of you? Can you pay off 60000 Maybe not. Not in two years, maybe. But if you could, why don't y'all collaborate together and try to figure it out? Like, okay, combined, we have $80,000 worth of debt. Why don't we put our heads together? It is a great team exercise. It's a great team exercise for you to come together and to be like, we need to knock this thing out. Not only are you building 
um, the trust with one another because you're already being fully transparent in terms of letting them know this is how much debt I have. But then you both start to brainstorm and create new ways together of how to conquer that debt. So when you are coming together as one, that's like a mountain that you had to climb together. That hopefully will build your relationship and is giving you a preview of what wedlock is going to look like in terms of just being a team. Um, and so that's just some things to think about, something that I kind of wanted to, um, you know, discuss and just put out there. Um, and then also remember to always start small. So let's just say that you do have a mountain of debt and you know, oh my goodness, I just don't know how this is going to happen, how I'm going to conquer this, but I know I need to conquer it. Well, then maybe if you start small, so let's say when you look at all of your credit cards and you're just like, oh, this debt only owed $99. Okay, well, then you know you know that you have $99 sitting around somewhere. Why don't you just go ahead and take that time to get that $99 out the way? And you go reevaluate your debt again and you're like, oh, okay, there's another one for $299. So right now I could put $150 toward it when I get paid again because that's the extra that I have. When I get paid again, let me just go on and put that other $150. So now you've already paid off $350 worth of debt in less than 30 days. And as you just keep rolling that 300, since you've proven to yourself that you can do that, they call it, I know that um, David Ramsey calls it the snowball effect. So pretty much it's like you just keep on adding and keep on adding. You look up and it's like debts will start to fall off. So and those are just some things to think about. You know, if you're wanting to do better, if you're wanting to put yourself in a position that you will do better, um, start to think about that. What is my relationship with money? And if you've had a bad relationship with money, honey, as long as you are still breathing and you are able-bodied, you can rectify that. You can change your relationship with money. However you were introduced to it, um, whatever your past experience was with it, actually, to be quite honest with you, before you're trying to yoke up with a, a human being, this may be a great practice tool. For you to be able to see how do I handle my relationship with finances? Am I good in that arena? You know, am I cheating on all my finances? Can I be faithful to my finances? Maybe, I mean, that's something small. You might want to start there. I don't think it's a bad idea. Actually, I think it's really wise. And because I know that having a relationship with your finances prior to enter, entering into any relationship that's just an act of wisdom. That's just being wise because we all know it. A lot of these relationships, they end due to financial ignorance, financial problems, whatever you want to call it. Um, but some of this could be avoided if we do the work in advance. I'm just saying. So that's my take on it. Um, I hope that this has encouraged someone. I really do. It encouraged me um, because it holds me accountable. Anytime that I speak on something, I'm being held accountable. It says that the word is a two-edged sword. I'm not saying that this is the word, but I'm just saying I'm being a good steward over your finances. That is part of the word. So it's like be a good steward over your finances. And if you're not, make a commitment to yourself to start doing just that. Not only that, it makes you feel a little confident anytime that you start dating someone and you can literally pull out your receipts. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm taking care of my business. I'm doing what I need to do. Um, it may not be moving as quickly as I like, but hey, 
six months ago, this is what my credit score was. Now, this is what my credit score is. No, it's not an 850. But guess what? My goal is to get there someday. And I'm doing the work now so that maybe eventually I will be one of those people um, that has an 850 credit score. And I'll be very proud of it. And so do, you know, be willing to invest in yourself. Be willing to learn things about yourself. Be willing to be honest with yourself in terms of your relationship with finances. Because like I said, it's a great practice tool. If you learn how to be honest with yourself now, it'll be easier for you to be honest with others later. So I do hope that this has inspired someone, encouraged someone, enlightened anyone. Um, so this is going to conclude this part of the episode. However, the way I always love to end my podcast is to read a letter to my future hubby. So this letter is dated April the 4th of 2021. And it says, Dear future hubby, I hope that your Easter Sunday was blessed beyond measure. I hope you created wonderful and colorful memories that will continue to put a smile on your face for many years to come. I pray that you were surrounded by love, love, love. I love you. Love, Teresa. So y'all have a mo the most amazing evening, morning, or afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this message. But please do me a huge favor. Take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.